Ozzy Albies is back. The Braves' second baseman will be returning on Friday. We'll talk about what kind of impact he could have on the lineup down the stretch. And then we'll turn our attention to your Twitter questions where we'll talk about Michael Harris's spot in the lineup long term. Who are some free agent starting pitchers the Braves could be targeting this offseason? And what's the best offer for Dansby Swanson? We'll talk about that. I got a lot of other questions to get into. And then, of course, we'll preview the upcoming series this weekend against the Philadelphia Phillies. All of that on an exciting Friday mailbag episode of Lockdown Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball and check out my bio there to see where I'm covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com, where I've been the co-editor for several years now. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. And just like today, we will answer those questions. Also, make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, please do hit that thumbs up button and that notification bell as it helps support the channel a ton when you do that. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. On today's episode, got a lot to get into. Got Ozzy Albies making his return, and then got a lot of Twitter questions, a lot of really good questions. Want to jump into some of the big ones there? Michael Harris's spot in the lineup long term, the best offer for Dansby Swanson, starting pitching targets in the offseason, and so much more, including Matt Olson and what Braves should do with him in the lineup right now. And then obviously we'll preview the upcoming Philly series. Let's start with the big news from this Friday morning, and that is that Ozzy Albies is making his return. Kind of hinted to this on Thursday's episode. Ozzy was not in the lineup for Gwinnett on Thursday. There were some rumors that he had taken his stuff with him after the game on Wednesday. And it just made a lot of sense. He's been hitting the ball, you know, better lately in the past couple of games for Gwinnett. You know, seven games under his belt down there. It just felt like the right time. And coming off a West Coast trip, you know, the Braves lost back-to-back series. Again, felt like the right time to maybe spark some energy, some life into this club as they come back home and for these last 19 games. So I'm excited for Ozzy Albies coming back. What type of impact could he have? I think it's unfair, you know, to ask him to come back and, you know, have an immediate impact offensively. Look, he was in the midst of having one of his worst seasons before he was injured. I actually thought he was not playing great defensively either to start the season, but I think more so than anything, it's just the energy that he brings in the clubhouse and what he could bring, you know, to this team, to his buddy Ronald Cunha Jr. And just the life that he brings. I mean, whatever you think about him as a player, and I've, you know, let my frustrations of Ozzy Albies be known in the past, 
I still think he's one of the greatest people in all of baseball and one of the best teammates that there is out there. So for that alone, I'm super excited that Ozzy Albies is back. And if he can give you anything, you know, at the plate like we've seen in the past, then I think he could provide a huge spark to this lineup. And again, I think he's been a gold glove defender in the past, although I mentioned at the start of this year, I thought there were some plays that he typically makes that he he hadn't. So I still think, you know, the Braves will get a big boost defensively there. So that's the type of impact I think odds he can have, not just on the field, but off the field as well as this Braves team looks to finish off this regular season and into the postseason. So very excited to have Ozzy Albies back starting on Friday. Uh, some corresponding moves with that. Jay Jackson was designated for assignment, make room on the 40-man roster, and then Adrianza was sent to the IL to make room on the 26-man roster. So it seemed like a bit of a phantom IL stint there for Adrianza, who just played the other day, and I thought looked pretty good. Uh, but you got to make room somewhere. Um, so Braves were put Adrianza on the IL in order to call up uh, Ozzy Albies, who will be there on Friday. All right, switching gears to your Twitter questions. First one coming from Steve Lamb. He says, where do you think Michael Harris's ideal long-term spot in the Braves lineup is? I say second behind Acuna. It's a great question, and I think it's still to be determined. Look, if Michael Harris hits in his career like he is hitting this year, um, then I don't know how you don't put him either one or two in the lineup. You know, considering the power he's shown, the speed he has, hitting for average, he does strike out a lot, as a lot of Braves players do, but I don't see how you don't put him one or two in the lineup. And I know that that leadoff spot is Ronald Acuna Jr.'s until the end of time, but, you know, I've even hesitated to mention lately that with the way Ronald is hitting and with the way Michael Harris is hitting, do you perhaps swap them in the lineup? Um, so I'm not opposed to putting Harris in the top spot if he continues to hit like this. I don't know what kind of pressure, if any. I mean, the kid doesn't seem to really play with any type of pressure. I don't know that it bothers him where he hits in the lineup, but just with his skill set, again, can hit from power, has the speed. I mean, he seems like a prototypical leadoff hitter. So, uh, again, I don't know that Acuna ever loses that spot. I know there's an argument to be made that perhaps you want Acuna in a more, uh, you know, a, a more position to be able to drive in runs. I don't think Acuna is exactly that hitter right now. So he's not hitting for a lot of power and not a lot of home run. But I think Michael Harris could be that 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 player, that leadoff type hitter. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I love him at the bottom of the order too, which is just crazy to say because he's been one of the Braves' best hitters. You want that guy batting more often, but love having him at the bottom where he can, and Chip Carey's own words, feed the top um, where he's been great there. But I, I don't know. Again, I'm from, and I was as high on Michael Harris as anybody. I had him num ranked number one the past two off seasons on my list in the Braves system. I've been very high on Michael Harris. What he's done this year, is above what I even expected. So I need to see him come back next year and kind of duplicate this type of success. You know, a 300 type hitter, somebody who could hit 25 home runs. I mean, we did not see that type of power potential. Again, if he comes back and does that, I think you got to have him in, you know, the top of your lineup. 
Um, so I think, again, I think the jury's still out on exactly where he needs to be. But if he hits like this, I have no problem putting him first or second in the order. Next question comes from Joshua Daniels, who says, you're playing GM for one contract, that of Dansby. What do you offer him or do you let someone else, uh, let him go for someone else? So great question. I think it's one we get just about every mailbag. What would, what would you give Dansby Swanson? Um, it's changed for me. If you listened in the off season, I said, I wouldn't really go more than 15 million a year on him. And I'd honestly rather see something around 12 or 13 million. I think he's played himself beyond that. There are some who think he will get over 20 million. I don't see that. Um, and I wouldn't pay that much. I think, I think if I if I'm the GM, I'm playing GM. I love Dansby Swanson. I've been a big supporter for him, even when he wasn't having the best years. I think I'd go five at 18. Um, I think that's pretty reasonable. I think that's fair market value. I'd be a little weary going more than five years, and even a fifth year to me, um, you know, is a little scary. And 18 million a year is definitely a little scary. I've always compared him to Brandon Crawford. You know, who's always gotten around 15, 16 million a year, been a solid hitter, a leader for some great Giants teams, plays great defense. You know, I think those two are very comparable. So anything around 15, 16 million a year, I think is very fair for Dansby Swanson. I think he's going to get overpaid a little bit just because he is having a breakout type year at the best time. But the Braves need him. Look, they're if they're not going to spend the money on Dansby Swanson, I don't think they're going to go spend it on Trey Turner or Carlos Correa or Xander Bogart. So I think we'll be even more expensive. So you're not going to go get one of those three guys. I think you got to bring Dansby Swanson back, especially if you don't feel like Von Grissom can handle the shortstop position defensively. And everything we've heard and seen so far leads me to believe that that's, that's the case that he, he, he won't be able to handle shortstop at a big league level. So I think you got to get Dansby. Look, you got nobody else really in your system. Braden Schumacher's not the answer. Um, you got to go. You got to sign Dansby Swanson. I think he wants to be here. So, for me, five at eighteen. If it goes beyond that, I think you got to cut your losses and find another way. Um, but I think that's as high as I would be willing to go. Um, I'm not really sure what the other possibilities would be right now i haven't looked into it that much because i feel like dansby is gonna come back i feel like they do work it out but that's as high as i would feel comfortable going for a dansby swanson contract all right next we're gonna take some more of your questions including robbie grossman will he be back around next year and looking at the free agent pitching market we'll answer those questions next BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Next question comes from Chris Shaffey, who says, Robbie Grossman has been a nice pickup by Alex Anthopoulos. Do you see his success continuing through the postseason? 
And do the Braves keep him after this season? Um, I did love the Robbie Grossman pickup. It's another player kind of like last year who was struggling in the first half, playing below his career norms. And so Alex Antopoulos taking a chance that he will rebound in the second half. And I think he's certainly done that. Some adjustments the Braves have made with him certainly have helped. Do I think this will continue in the postseason? I think he'll continue being a, a solid eight or nine hitter in your lineup and really nothing more than that. You know, I think he'll he'll pick up his hits. He'll take his walks. Um, again, I think he'll be a solid bottom of the order type bat. I don't know that he'll necessarily be anything special. I don't see him having an Eddie Rosario or Jorge Soler type impact in the postseason, but I think he'll be a solid contributor and really nothing more than that. And I don't think the Braves need much more than that from him so i do like to grow some pickup will he be back next year i don't think so um obviously depends on how the roster shakes out a little bit i mean i, I wouldn't mind having him as a, a bench player i wouldn't have him as a starter um but i wouldn't mind having him as a bench bat a switch hitting you know bench bat off off the bench you can play you know corner outfield spots uh certainly you know wouldn't mind that but i don't see it as a necessity to bring back robbie grossman Next or next three questions actually come from E. Goldie. He says, if Charlie retires this offseason, what free agent starting pitchers not named DeGrom would you want Alex Anthopoulos to target? Uh, other than DeGrom, who, uh, you know, obviously I would want to target, you know, Justin Verlander has the ability to become a free agent again, and the Braves apparently had some interest in him last offseason. So I think that could be a possibility for, a, you know, a one-year deal at a high AAV, which we know Alex Anthopoulos uh, is prone to doing. So I think Verlander could be a, an option. Outside of those two, though, you look at top-end starting pitchers that'll be available. I think the next best is Carlos Rodon, who the Braves just saw in San Francisco. You know, has had injury issues throughout his career, but that's always a risk when you sign starting pitching. I think he's probably going to get a big long-term deal that Alex Anthopoulos is not really prone to giving to starting pitchers. So I don't really see him being a target for Alex Anthopoulos, but I think he would be one of the better options out there. But I think they target some more back of the rotation arms. I mean, look, the Braves rotation could be set next year, even without Charlie Morton. You could come on into the year with Max Freed, Spencer Strider, Kyle Wright, um, Bryce Elder, Kyle Muller, you know, Ian Anderson. You know, you have guys there. Um, that could potentially fill that rotation rotation. So I think perhaps they look for, you know, more middle back of the rotation guys. Noah Syndergaard is a guy who I like this last off season. Um, and I was, you know, I was on board with the Braves trading for him. I know he hasn't been great for the Phillies and he was just okay with the angels. He's not that dominant top of the rotation pitcher that he was with the Mets. The velocity is not nearly where it was. I mean, it's still, you know, mid nineties at times. So I think he can be an effective pitcher. It's his first year back, you know, after missing several years. I didn't even mention Mike Soroka a minute ago, who's obviously making his comeback as well. But for Noah Zindegaard, you know, it's his first full year back after missing a good amount of time because of injury. So I think he could be even better next year, perhaps take a, a step forward and become, you know, a solid middle of rotation arm. So he's a guy I think if you could get, you know, eight, 10 million, I think could make some sense to fill out the back half of your rotation, but I think it'll be more of an arm like that. Somebody on a one-year deal, one-year deal with an option, something like that. I don't see them, you know, going for a Carlos Rodon, somebody who is going to get, you know, likely a long-term deal. 
Next question, again, comes from E. Goldie, who says, if the Braves are the first wildcard team, which team would you prefer to face, Phillies or Padres? Um, might answer this after these seven games we have against the Phillies. I think health makes a big difference here, but I think both teams are pretty similar. Starting pitching, you know, they have some solid starting pitchers, whether it's Hugh Darvish, Blake Snell, um, you know, Mike Clevenger. Padres have some good starters. If healthy, and I think this is really what it comes down to, if Zach Wheeler is healthy, that makes a big difference when going up against the Phillies because then you have Wheeler and Nola games one and two. They can shut you down right there, and the ser series can be over. Uh, Phillies lineup, you know, we'll talk about that when we preview the series this weekend. We know it has potential, can be solid. You have Bryce Harper on one side. You have Juan Soto on the other. Both guys kind of struggling at the moment, but you know what they're capable of. So you put MVP-type talent up against you and good starting pitching on both sides. And, you know, I think they're pretty evenly matched. Uh, as far as those two teams, uh, the Brewers were to sneak in, you know, and somehow get that spot. You know, they have really good pitching, but not great offense. So in terms of the Phillies or Padres, I don't know that it really matters. I think if the Braves play their game, they beat both teams. Um, you know, both teams play their best. I think the Braves are still the better team. Braves will be at home. I think maybe you would say the Padres just because they'd have to travel, you know, from coast to coast to play that series. But I don't think it really matters too much either way, but I do think the health of Zach Wheeler is key for the Phillies. If he's able to come back, pitch like Zach Wheeler, then uh, I think the Phillies can be kind of a scary team, especially in a three-game series if you have to face Wheeler and Nola, and then you know what that offense can do. So I think they're both you know pretty even in terms of uh, how how threatening they could be to the Braves. All right, and one more question from... E. Goldie, who says, what are your thoughts on Kyle Muller being on the playoff roster? Potential bullpen arm. I'm surprised they haven't gotten him another look the last month, given how he's performed in AAA. Uh, Kyle Muller did pitch last night for uh, AAA Gwinnett and was just, you know, okay. I think he gave up eight or nine hits over five innings. Um, but I mentioned this the other week when I gave my projection for the playoff rosters. I think Kyle Muller is on there. I think he should be on there. And I think he does get a start down the stretch, depending on, you know, what Mike Soroka continues to do and what Jake Odorizzi does at the big league level, if they want to skip Kyle Wright or Spencer Strider to save their arms. I think Kyle Muller does get another another start or two down the stretch, and I think he is on the playoff roster um, because he gives you another lefty. He gives you somebody that can come in, you know, if something happens early in a game and can give you some innings. So, I would definitely consider him for the playoff roster, and I do think we see him make another start or two down the stretch. Next question from Larry Cobble says, should Olsen be moved down in the order? No. Um, look, I know he's been hitting bad. You need Matt Olsen to be your number four hitter. He's just got to figure it out. He's got to be better. Uh, he's got to turn things around here down the stretch. I mean – where do you where do you put him if not the number four spot? You move him down to the sixth spot and swap him with Michael Harris. I, I just I don't feel like it's I feel like it's kind of too late in the season now. We the Braves if the Braves are going to win, they need Matt Olson to be Matt Olson in the number four spot. And look, Austin Riley's been struggling just as poorly. You need him to be Austin Riley in the number three spot. So you just need those guys to play like they're capable of, and this lineup will be just fine. 
And then the final question comes from Jim Millard, who says, is there an effort underway to transition from the tomahawk chop? I asked this because the other day I was at the stadium and noticed that in a typical chop situation, the music that played was different. Um, I've noticed this really over the last couple of years, I guess since 2020. Um, the, the music they play is a little different, but they're still playing it. And I've talked about this as well. You know, we had the name changes in, in Washington, the football team, and then Cleveland from the Indians to the Guardians. I feel like the Braves have kind of weathered that storm, for lack of a better term. I don't think they're changing. I think they have dialed back some of that uh, to an extent, but it's still there. And I don't see the Braves going away from it at this point, nor do I think they should. And I think they've done a great job, you know, bringing in the Native American culture and celebrating that and making that part of uh, the team and part of the culture there uh, around the battery and around Truist Park, which I think is great. So I think they do, you know, dial it back, uh, the Tomahawk chop a little bit. I think they've already kind of done that, but I don't see them doing anything more than they've already done. And I don't see them obviously changing the name or taking the chop completely away. I mean, the fans aren't going to let them take that completely away. So I think it is what it is right now. I don't think we see them dial it back anymore. I think they've weathered that storm of kind of pressure from outside sources to make a change. And I think it just, they are comfortable with what, with where they are right now. And while I think they have over the last couple of years made changes to dial it back, I don't see them dialing it back anymore than they currently have. Great list of questions there. Really appreciate you submitting those in. Um, and there was a lot of fun to answer them. If you have any more, always you know, shoot me a message on Twitter or put it in the YouTube comments below, and I'll try to answer them there. But next, we're going to turn our attention to the weekend where the Braves have the first of seven upcoming games against the Phillies, which should be a lot of fun and tell you a lot about a potential wildcard matchup. We'll discuss that next. Before we get into the Phillies series, I uh, want to just tell you, in case you didn't already know, the Mets won on Thursday night. They beat the Pirates on Roberto, Roberto Clemente Day, so that was um, not cool of them. So they go up by a full game as we enter this weekend. They're up a full game in the NL East. Also, some Rome Braves news. They dropped game two on Thursday, so they will play the deciding game on Friday at Bowling Green as the Rome Braves try to advance in the single A postseason there, South Atlantic League Division Series. All right, for this weekend preview against the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, the Phillies have lost lost to the Marlins on Thursday. They did play on Thursday, had Noah Syndergaard on the mound, so we won't see Thor in this series. Um, they got swept in San Francisco to start September, but they're 7-2 and two since then. They're eight games back with the Braves for the top wild card spot. They're two games up on the Padres for the second wild card spot. And they're four games up on the Brewers for a playoff spot in general. So they're in pretty good shape in terms of making the postseason. Braves could make it really tough on them in making that second wild card spot. And so the Braves can kind of dictate, you know, who they end up playing if they are in that wild card spot depending on how they do against the Phillies here and obviously what the Padres are able to do as they're separated by just two games. Bryce Harper playing DH only, you know, kind of similar to Ronald Acuna Jr. who's been DH only because of the legs. Bryce Harper's DH only because of some arm issues. He missed a month of time 
returned on August 26th, was was great for about the first week he came back. But in September, slashing just 179, 319 on base percentage, 385 slugging with two doubles, two homers, eight walks, and 14 strikeouts. So has cooled off a bit in September. Let's hope that continues. As far as the pitching matchup on Friday night, it's Ranger Suarez versus Max Freed. Suarez in his last seven starts, a 3.66 ERA and a 1.27 whip in 39 and a third innings with 15 walks and 34 strikeouts. Not a high strikeout pitcher, but the Braves have made non-strikeout pitchers look really good here as of late with their offense struggling. In two September starts, Ranger Suarez has given up seven earned runs and 10 and two-thirds innings, so hoping that trend continues. And this will be the fourth time the Braves face Ranger Suarez this year that could perhaps face him a fifth time next week. Uh, in those three starts, he's gone four and a third and given up five earned. He's gone six and two thirds and given up four earned. And he's gone five innings, given up three runs, but no earned. Um, so some mixed success or rather not success there for Ranger Suarez. He's a mainly sinker changeup pitcher, keeps the ball down, and he's effective when he's getting weak contact. So Braves will have to make him get the ball up and hopefully get some hard hits in play and find some holes and string some hits together if the offense is going to do anything against Ranger Suarez on Friday night. And the offense really needs to get things going after scuffling in the last two series on the West Coast. Max Freed will be on the mound for the Braves. He's allowed two earned or less in his last seven starts, being that ace for the Braves. You look at the Phillies, who obviously have a lot of experience against Max Freed, Real Muto, and Harper have solid numbers off of him, while Schwarber, Segura, and Hoskins do not. So hopefully Max Freed can come out, have a solid start against the Phillies, kick off things this weekend with a good win because you got Jake Odorizzi going on Saturday. So really need to get a win on Friday with your ace on the mound and Max Freed. Um, you know, as good as he's pitched lately, I feel like he's kind of been battling things a little bit. Gave up a couple of home runs in Seattle, but was good other than those, you know, two pitches, really. Um, but hopefully we get an ace-type performance from Max Freed, who, you know, I think has a chance to maybe not win the NL Cy Young, but at least be in that top three, which I think would be pretty cool for him. So, again, I think the Braves have a favorable pitching matchup on Friday. Need the offense to get going. Need Max Freed to put together a solid start, at least six, seven innings. I kind of saved the bullpen. And then I put this note here at the end, don't let Bryson Stott beat you. I feel like he was a complete pass for the Braves the last time these two teams played. So I kind of put that there jokingly. But hopefully the Braves do not let some surprise player like Austin Wins beat them this time around. Hopefully they get things started off on a good note on Friday. I did want to also let you know, me and Grant McCauley, we'll be back doing the postcast. He was traveling this past week, so we didn't do a postcast, but we'll be back doing that. So we'll have more podcasts for you over the weekend uh, talking about these games with the Phillies. That'll do it for this episode of Lockdown Braves. Thank you for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of the day. Now go make your second listen, Lockdown MLB podcast, where MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective on every team and talking about the biggest stories from around the league. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at shortstopball. Also, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. 
Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 